everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bias Check-In. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Susie, what are we checking in with? Well, you found this article, How Some People Get Away With Doing Nothing. It's a very flashy title. And we are going to candidly discuss it today, as well as, you know, the opposite of what this article talks about. So first things first, have you all heard about this air quotes new phenomenon being jobless employed? Personally, I had heard of it on and off, like not exactly with these terms, but I had seen posts on subreddits for MBAs, post-MBA tech um, workers. The definition that the article gave almost boasted or kept up this myth that they can get these incredibly paying jobs and only work a couple hours a day. Or that the expectations that are put on you and your role, you can meet in a fraction of the work week. I hadn't heard about it. The first guy that is mentioned on the article, Nate, works one hour a day at most. He moses over to his computer whenever he gets an alert. Otherwise, he spends most of the day doing basically whatever he feels like. He sleeps in, he watches TV, he does household chores. His only real restriction is that he can't stray too far from home in the event that he's needed for something. And this is where we start having feelings and opinions about this phenomenon or being jobless employed. I think whether through the pandemic or working from home, we've all been at the point where it's like, yes, I'm clocked in. It's a slow day. I'm going to be doing a little bit of something else, maybe chores. Maybe I just finished a big work task. I'm going to walk out to grab a quick coffee at the corner or let me take the trash down so I get moving. Sure. But straight up sleeping or like what is too far from home? Like, do you just get a slack and have to book it back? Are you doing your walk around the block? That is where it gets problematic to me and we did talk about it while we were prepping the episode you know like no one is on all 480 minutes of their workday at a hundred percent like firefighters don't just run putting out one fire after the other 24 7 during their shifts but there is a difference between not going 110 miles an hour 24-7 and time theft, right? So, okay, you are com you've completed tasks today and you're working from home and between one meeting and another and there is not emails in your inbox and no one has slacked you in five minutes, you go up and clean the dishes. Totally fine. Definitely I don't think you should be clocking out to clean dishes. But if you're just working one hour a day, as Nate boasts about, I'm pretty sure that your contract says 40 hours a week of work. And for those 40 hours a week, a salary was negotiated, benefits were negotiated, just 
examples here, this organization is paying for your health insurance because you work those 40 hours a week. If you worked 20, they wouldn't give you those benefits. So if you were actually working four, what are you doing and why are you boasting about it? The other side I have to that, it's there's always that fine line with salaried position where it's like, well, but if it only takes me one hour, what it would take someone else to do eight hours of work. But is that really the case with your job description? Like, the, can any one of us run out of things to do within our job descriptions? I feel like that's what that last bullet point and other duties as assigned was invented for. Um, and the other side of it is like, are you waiting for your bosses to remember you exist and be given orders all the time? Yeah, they mention... He moseys over to his computer whenever he gets an alert that he's got a task to complete. So it sounds like we're just going task by task. That also does not sound like he only works one hour a day. Because if a task comes in during your working hours, pretty sure that's not how it's working. I We've also mentioned like nowhere in a job description does it really say like, you look at your computer and email eight hours a day, but you just know that's part of your job, right? And so I don't think it's wise to go about your job with like, oh, I'm just task by task by task. One, that manager is going to get tired of you probably. Two, do you not have any initiative in your life? Three, I'm just pretty sure you're lying. <laughs> now, there is the differentiation of like, what do they actually mean when they say they're not doing anything? Uh, I know I, for one, when I'm at work and if I get caught in one of those days where it's just, I'm just answering emails, slacks, I have a ton of meetings. I get to the end of the day and I'm like, okay, I maybe had an hour of focused work where I could actually start making a dent in my own deliverables. But that is very different from saying that was the only hour that I can consider work, to your point of answering emails is work, going to meetings is work, even if it's not the most visibly productive in the moment. The other point that I do want to highlight, at least in the case of this article and the very limited sample that I saw from Reddit is that everyone sharing this role is not necessarily an individual contributor. Like some of the people in this article are also managers or parts of teams. So it's not the kind of situation where it's like, okay, you're just being called on to do your tasks and, you know, not everyone has to be social or go above and beyond that work. Like, I'm very surprised. These seem to be the only people in the world that don't have meetings for starters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, I think to me when reading the article, it seems like you're too cool for school and you're trying to act cool by saying that you only work an hour a day and get paid 80k for it or 130 or 300k for it. It sounds like you're a bum and you're trying to act cool about it. 
And I think that if you want to boast about it, you should work as a freelancer and set up your three hours of work a week and set your rate to make 300k a year. Then you would be actually cool. Otherwise, I don't see the point. To your point of you're trying to be too cool for school, I feel like this is what the annoying kid that said, oh, I only studied an hour and I got an A+. plus." Like, it wasn't like it's hard. Th that's what they graduate to be, is the co-workers like, oh, yeah, I just put in, like, an hour or two. And, like, what, like, you actually burn out at work? Ew. Mm -hmm. And the other point that the article brought up was for those employees that don't necessarily come in with the energy to I'm going to do the bare minimum and see how long I can get away with it. But they kind of stumble into this where they realize they can get away with it. Mm -hmm. And then there's the awkwardness of like, how do I initiate the conversation with my supervisor or manager of, hey, have you noticed I still work here and we never have to talk to each other? Mm -hmm. I don't know that I have an answer for that, but I feel like, yeah, if you know you're, you can do more, you and I will be jumping up to say, hey, like, I've got some time on my hands or I think I'm done with this. What's next? What can I do? Where can I jump in? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're clearly not jobless, fun employed people over here. I think we're more on the side of, have you felt that you're being taken advantage of at work because for every manager that feels like they only work an hour a week, pretty sure there's someone that can't get home in time for dinner because I'll, I'll, because they're the um, catch-all for their team and everything just keeps piling up. So, On the flip side, what are some signs that you might be being taken advantage of at work? Oh, gosh, there's a lot. But before we go into all of this, it wouldn't be a BCI episode if I didn't give a disclaimer at some point. We said in the beginning, for the jobless employed, we understand that you don't always have to give 100% and be outperforming yourself day over day. Sometimes it's okay if that task gets bounced to next day, next week, after the long weekend, what have you. At the same time, at the end of the day, there are things that just need to be done. And they need to be done on a certain timetable, what have you. So as Susie was saying, we're both more than okay and comfortable with the fact that there are times when we have to stay until 8 p.m. or we have to pick up the slack. I think every job has its busy seasons. But yeah, where do you know if you're being the sacrificial lamb or the team crutch and you always end up being there until eight when it's not necessarily a need? Starting off with an easy, quote unquote, easy one. If you feel afraid or if you feel like you can say no, when Claudia comes up to you as like, hey, can you do this? Is it me? Am I the problem? Yeah. If you're afraid or you feel like you can't say no, that sounds like an unfortunate situation, a toxic situation. We wish you the best and we 
recommend that you ask yourself if you can switch jobs. Now to more so of signs of how to know if this is happening. I've heard it a lot recently and I know if you've said it to me and it irks my bones, but what does it mean to say I do not want to set president? Sorry, it irks your bones, but I think it's a fair concern to have, maybe not going about it as aggressively as I'm about to tell. But um, not setting precedent, to me, is the idea of, especially for me coming into a new job recently, it's setting the right expectations. Um, because it's a lot easier, in my opinion, and I think I'm not very unique in this, to set reasonable expectations from the get-go rather than having to walk back your availability or what you think you can bring to a team. So in my case, when I was onboarding the first couple of months, I was doing really simple tasks, um, a lot of repetitive tasks, because that was the kind of tasks I could get done while I learned all the more complex processes. And I, again, very, very far from a unique situation here. At the same time, I did have the concern that, well, there are some of these repetitive tasks that I'm being assigned because I am the one that can kind of only do this for now. On the other side, am I being assigned this because no one else wants to do them? And am I going to continue to be assigned these things, which are not technically my job, and take responsibility for them after my onboarding is over? So... I think it goes to one of my favorite expressions that is that of under-promising and over-delivering. You don't want to walk into a new job or in any kind of context with the energy of a freshman at activity fair and just say, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Because then you need to hold yourself accountable to deliver on all those. So in that sense, I don't want to set precedent. But I also hear your argument against it. The other expression that I hear a lot in my role now and which is almost a swear word in my office and I think into a lot of other offices where there's a matrix kind of component is it's not in my scope because that goes to that point of well but what if something needs to be done that means that someone has to do it and especially when working across units there can be that lack of clarity of well, should I own that? Should you own that? Should someone else completely own that? How do we share this? And I think the best case in my experience to go there is saying to your manager, to your team lead, to whoever that task is coming from, it's like, sure, I can do it. I can be a team player. But is this something that normally would fall to my role? Or what are the circumstances that led to this being on my to-do list now? And although I agree that you should have conversations about how things that were not on your job description land on your to-do list, as we mentioned, there is like there is the caveat of like and other assignments. And two, yes and no, depending from where it's coming from. Like we just said, 
someone has to do it. So very possibly your manager may say, no, no, it's not normally, not something that normally falls on you or on this position. You still have to do it. In that case, be a team player. But the way that you don't get taken advantage of is by making sure that you get credit for that. Think of it as this is the reputation I'm building for myself of being a team player, of going outside of my scope, when and if it's truly needed, not just because someone else didn't feel like doing their job. On to another point, we just said we are both comfortable with sometimes working late. But the other day I saw a TikTok skit from one of the corporate millennial accounts that we talk about so much. And it was about how sometimes when something urgent gets added to your to-do list, a way to make sure that you are not being taken advantage of is by asking your manager, for example, if your other deliverables for the day, the week can be reprioritized to make space for this new task or urgent thing. Sometimes, yes, everything is urgent and you do have to stay late. But if this behavior is constant, technically, again, your contract is for a set number of hours. And if your to-do list cannot be humanly completed in those set eight hours, you shouldn't definitely be escalating and taking a harsher look. On the note on like how to prioritize your tasks, it's one of my favorite conversations to have with my teams because it's a, such a good way to pulse check that we're all on the same page. I do have the pet peeve, like you were saying earlier, like something I say just irks your bones. The thing that I cannot conceive of is when people say like, just no, like, oh, I need you to do this. No. It's like, mm, I don't think the conversation can actually end there. Like, we're just going to move it into a different directions now. Um, so being able to say, hey, not, hey, I'm not going to do it. Or if I get this done, that's not going to get done with that kind of confrontational definitive energy. But I think it shows a lot of responsibility and being a team player without being taken advantage of to say, I'm happy to shift priorities. I do want to have a conversation with you about it because if I prioritize this now, I am not confident that XYZ deadlines are still going to be met. And I think that's a much more constructive approach to take to that. I love it, definitely. Then in the case that you have absorbed tasks because of, I don't know, reduction in workforce or something like that and... The being taken advantage of is that now you are doing the work of two or more people by yourself. You most definitely should be documenting everything and having conversations about increasing your compensation, changing your job title, all of that. Unfortunately, there is no magic formula to know that if you stay after work for X number of hours to complete things that people ask you to do x times a month you are the sacrificial lamb or i can assure that they are taking advantage of you but you know pulse check as we said last week what are the vibes all in all as susie said like there are so many other situational factors that we are very intentionally not going in because we can think of infinite situations and different scenarios where 
it will depend on your company culture, on how your communication style and your team communication styles interact, all of the things. But the one constant that we always try to advocate for, it's a lot easier said than done, is to be aware of your worth and what you bring into the workplace. The first way to be taken advantage of is if you're the first one to undermine your own work or not. Strive to be recognized. And to Susie's point, advocate, advocate, advocate. Um, Document what you bring to the table. Document if it's a pattern of you going above and beyond, staying late, and maybe needing that job description to be changed or job title to be changed. Let us know how you advocate for yourself in the workplace, how maybe you've initiated those conversations with your managers or your teams, or maybe how do you hold others accountable when you think, "Mm, it doesn't look like you're producing eight hours of work, or you take a long time to get back to me on Slack. Were you sleeping? Or were you just doing groceries seven blocks away from your computer? Not to be anyone's micromanagers, but we would love to hear those stories. Slide into our DMs on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Bias Check-In Podcast, or send us an email at info at biascheckin.com. Enjoy the long weekend and have a great week, everyone. Bye.